So uh, would you like to just take out your Bibles? We're going to be opening up to Acts chapter 16 this morning, continuing on our series. And as you uh, just find and locate that page in your scriptures, I'm going to just pray. So Father, I thank you, Lord, for just the privilege it is to always open up your word. I want to thank you, Lord, uh, that it is a lamp for our feet, a light for our path. I thank you that your word is living and active, that uh, it teaches, it corrects, it challenges, it it guides us, Lord. And even this morning, I pray for each and every person, Lord, hearing these words, opening up scripture, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would breathe life, that you would uh, just bring fresh insight, I pray, Lord, that your word would fall on good soil good soil of our hearts today, Lord God, and accomplish that which you would desire. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Acts 16 is where we're going to be. And, uh, you know, I was chatting with someone this week, and they said, you know, this lockdown, it's just about two weeks too late because the Olympics are now done. And of course, uh, many of us, no doubt, would have been glued to our screens over the, the times of those Olympics. But, you know, it was a, a wonderful couple of weeks of athletic competition and amazing feats by many of these athletes. And I, of course, love watching the sports themselves, but I also love hearing the, the uh, stories behind some of these athletes and the journeys that they've been through just to get to the Olympics. And uh, there's a couple that stood out that I'll share. It was the, uh, the weightlifter from the Philippines who won... Uh, her nation's first ever gold medal at the Olympics. And she was stranded, unable to, to kind of get home to her home uh, nation, her hometown in the Philippines. And she'd set up this kind of makeshift training space uh, where she was based. And instead of weights to train, she would use bamboo and water, uh, water um, containers to lift those weights and train. And she went on to win the gold medal, which was, of course, an incredible achievement. And then uh, Andrew was telling me this week about the Fijian rugby team who won gold in the rugby sevens. And there was many challenges for them in terms of being able to train or even being apart from their families for long periods of time. And even just getting to the Olympics was a logistical feat because there's hardly any planes going in and out of Fiji. They uh, hitched a ride basically on a plane, a cargo plane carrying frozen meat or frozen fish just to get there. And of course, they win gold, and uh, perhaps you've seen the footage of them singing and praising the Lord on the gold medal dais there, singing about how they have overcome. And just amazing stories of of what these athletes had to push through and and persevere through. And of course, at the moment of of attaining their goal, of competing in the Olympics, of, of winning a medal even, these people are full of joy and gushing with praise and thanksgiving for those who have helped and supported them. And as I've reflected on these accounts this week, you know, I was thinking it would have been so easy for those athletes just to have given up or to grown weary and discouraged. But instead of allowing difficulty and opposition and discouragement to stop them, to hold them back, they pushed through and attained that which they were aiming for. And you know, in our lives of faith, there are times and seasons of setback of difficulties, of discouragement, of things not quite going according to plan. 
Perhaps we feel the darkness all around us. There are times when we can grow weary and feel like we can give up. Or as the people of God, in those times, we can push through and press into God and respond with praise. And so in our account today, where we're heading, Paul and Silas, we see them in this place. They're in the prison. They're in this place of of discouragement, of opposition, of, hang on a minute, things haven't gone as we thought they were going to go. But pushing through with praise in the prison. And as a result, they disturbed the darkness all around them. So let's read together. Of course, last week, uh, we looked at how the, the slave girl who had this spirit of divination was there, and Paul dealt with that issue, that demonic oppression, and that opened the door for what God was wanting to do. In verse 19, we read that when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. Let's just pause there. You know, Paul and Silas, they were going about doing good. They'd seen this slave girl set free from this oppression. And then they're arrested. They're brought into the marketplace, and they're accused of disturbing the city. And this phrase, disturbing the city, has kind of jumped out at me just these last couple of weeks. And of course, it's used in a, a negative sense here, in, a, in an accusatory sense here. It was quite a serious charge with serious ramifications and consequences. But as I've been reflecting on there's something about that description that fits. It's a, a kingdom description if you stop and think about it. Because as followers of Jesus, should we not be disturbing the status quo of apathy and godlessness by living lives as passionate followers of Jesus? Should we not be disturbing the powers of darkness and the principalities at work by living as bold followers of Jesus? Should we not be disturbing the accepted culture that's all around us? And of course, Andrew last week looked at how there is a time and a place to stand and to deal with the stuff. Should we not be disturbing that stuff that is going on all around us in the name of the Lord Jesus? In Acts chapter 17, verse 6, we read that the disciples were known, not just as those who had disturbed their city, but as those who had turned the world upside down. So why should it be any different for us? Disturbing the city isn't about taking up arms and fighting the wrong fights and getting into all sorts of arguments and caught up with all sorts of distractions, but rather, I believe it's in being a people of wholehearted devotion to the Lord. In knowing who our God is and making Him known. Because there should be a cutting edge to our witness. To our lives of faith that has an impact. That cuts through and breaks through and disturbs the darkness around us. And even in lockdown we can be that sort of people. Letting the Lord have His rightful place. Being in step with His Spirit and responding to what He is doing. Not just reacting to what we see around us. So that's just a bit of an aside. Paul and Silas certainly disturbed the darkness and the city. And I believe where we're heading is is a couple of keys for us as to how they did that. Let's read on. Verse 22, the crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. 
And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. And when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your whole household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Quite an amazing passage really. And of course it's very well known. We've focused on this particular passage before as a church. But you know the wonderful thing about God's word is that when we come to it with soft and open and receptive hearts... The Holy Spirit is always able to bring fresh insight, to breathe fresh life, and bring fresh revelation. And that's what I'm believing for this morning. And really, there shouldn't be um, anything that uh, we haven't heard before in a sense, but, but rather, what I feel on my heart is to bring a message of, of reminder, of encouragement this morning um, in this season that we find ourselves in. Let's try and just put ourselves in the story to start with. Because it's easy to read over and gloss over. Oh, they were put in prison, they were there. But they weren't just, um, it wasn't just a walk in the park. They'd been beaten. They'd been wrongfully accused. They had been put in the stocks. They were uncomfortable. They'd been put in the inner prison, not just the, the room or the view, but right in the inner prison, the dungeon perhaps, where the darkness would have been overwhelming. And I'm sure you'll agree that it's not the ideal setting for a prayer and worship service. But here they are, praying and praising. Praising in the prison, disturbing the darkness around them. So the first reminder or the first encouragement I want to bring to us this morning is this. That as the people of God, we always have a song to sing. As the people of God, we always have a song to sing. There is always a reason to praise. He is always worthy of our praise. Because of the hope that we have in Jesus, we have a song to sing, a song that endures, a song that can't be silenced by the circumstances and the opposition around us or our feelings. It's a song of praise that we must sing to the Lord. I love this description in verse 25 where it says, about midnight. About midnight, the middle of the night, when the darkness is all around. Paul and Silas prayed and they praised. They gave voice to the cries of their hearts. They gave expression to their devotion 
to the Lord. The other prisoners were listening in. They were heard, and what a witness that must have been to those other prisoners around them, to hear them not be there grumbling and complaining because of what they'd been through, but rather offering up praise and prayers in faith to the Lord. It would have been easy to cool off a bit in that place. There was a fair degree of uncertainty at what awaited them the next day at their trial. They, they probably felt a bit aggrieved at having been beaten and arrested for having done nothing wrong. Have you ever been in a midnight season? The place where the darkness is all around. Perhaps about midnight is an apt description for where you find yourself right now. With uncertainty, discomfort, the darkness. About midnight, it is easy to cool off. It is easy to become discouraged when we can't see clearly or we can't see the way forward. But it's about midnight, those times and seasons where the sweetest songs can come forth. In Job 35 verse 10, it says that the Lord is the one who gives songs in the night. In Habakkuk chapter 3, I love this, this song in the night season, the about midnight season that the prophet Habakkuk prays and, and sings to the Lord. It says, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor there be fruit on the vines, though the produce of the olive fail and the field yield no food, the, the flock be cut off from the fold and there be herd, no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. I will praise Him, in other words, even though all around everything is contrary to uh, desiring and wanting to praise. Still, I will rejoice in the Lord and I will praise Him. You know, the enemy will do whatever he can to silence our praise, to cause it to cease or be stifled. But there is a call for us to remember that there is a song for us to sing. To set our hearts to praise the Lord, even when the conditions aren't quite right. Even when our feelings don't lend themselves to praise. And even when our surroundings make it less than ideal and a less than natural choice. But we're called to be a supernatural people, living by faith, not just by sight. Because of the hope that we have in Jesus, we have a song to sing. A song that can't be silenced by the things happening around us. So let's be a people of praise. First encouragement this morning. Second, as the people of God, we have powerful weapons at our disposal. Prayer and praise are indeed powerful. Paul and Silas prayed and they praised. They were exercising faith and they weren't being fake. They weren't trying to drum up some sort of hype or emotional response because that's what they thought they should be doing. It was an act and a response of faith. They weren't there bargaining with God, manipulating Him to, to you know, let us free here. And in fact, the Greek word used for praying literally means to interact with the Lord by exchanging human wishes and desires and ideas for His wishes and desires and ideas. Basically saying, Lord, not my will be done, but Your will be done. Let your plan and purpose be outworked. Let your name be honored and glorified. In 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4, it says that, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power 
to destroy strongholds. I don't know about you, but I, I look around me and I can see some strongholds that need to be destroyed. Strongholds of fear. Strongholds of depression. Strongholds of every kind of oppression. Strongholds impacting a generation seeking to undermine and erode truth. And I kind of think that it's not going to be just through clever strategies or through our intellectual knowledge or capacity or human strength and wisdom. And don't get me wrong, strategy and wisdom and the intellect God's given us, of course, are good things. But I believe that we need His divine power to destroy these strongholds. I can remember visiting uh, the War Memorial. I've been um, a few times over the years, the War Memorial in our city. And uh, you go on a tour through that place and you see various, um, all sorts of things, but various weapons on display, uh, the tankers and the fighter planes and swords, guns, all sorts of things from memory. It's been a while since I've been there. But all these things, all these weapons, of course, are impressive and they're there, and you see them, and these bombs and bullets and tankers and planes and all these things, they contain and they hold the potential, don't they, to be powerful. The potential to explode or shoot and do the things that they're made to do. But a weapon is only powerful if it is used, isn't it? Not just sitting there on display. Too often, we can just keep the weapons that God has given to us the ones that he's made available to us on ice or on display, if you like. Oh, isn't that nice? Prayer and praise, that we talk about it, but we don't truly grab hold of it and wield the weapons that he's given us. I love the, the story of, of King Jehoshaphat in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. You're welcome to turn there with me just briefly if you want. We'll be coming back to Acts, so just keep your finger there. But just as a, a, a bit of a quick overview, King Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, a godly king, seeking the Lord. But then this vast army comes against him for battle. And he is afraid. So he sets his face to seek the Lord. And let me just say, it's always a good thing to do when you don't know what to do, to turn and seek the Lord. And he prays and reminds himself of who God is. He says, we don't know what to do. Verse 12, but our eyes are on you. Jehoshaphat prays. He seeks the Lord. He bows down in worship. He lifts his voice in praise. He gives expression to his faith. And all this takes place before the breakthrough, before the victory that he was seeking. And in verse 21 of 2 Chronicles Chapter 20, we read that when, he, when they go out to battle, he appointed those who are to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire to go out first. And as they went before the army, they said, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing in praise, the Lord set an ambush against the enemy so that they were routed. It's an incredible picture of the power of prayer and of praise. As they go out to battle, he sends the singers out. He sends those who are to praise and worship the Lord out first, even before the army. 
the weapons of divine power, if you like, before the weapons of the flesh, the army. And when they began to sing and praise, the enemy was routed. That word means soundly defeated, smitten, stricken. When they began to sing and praise. What a wonderful description that is, a wonderful picture of God working through the praises of his people as they wield this weapon that he has given to them. It's kind of got me thinking, what would it look like in our own lives? If there was a, a piece written about us, an account written about us as the 21st century Christians here in Canberra, when they began to pray and to praise, what would it look like? Maybe families being restored. When they began to pray and praise, strongholds were broken down. When they began to pray and praise, the city began to change. The darkness had to flee and the light and the presence of the Lord broke through, bringing salvation. So the enemy was routed. Let that be said of us as God's people. that When we begin to pray and to praise, that there is breakthrough, that the enemy is routed as well. You know, there's a parallel between these two accounts. In 2 Chronicles 20 and in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas, they were uncertain and unsure of what was to come. They were in a tricky spot. They prayed and they praised. And as in the natural, when weapons are used in a military campaign, they're used to break down resistance and to clear the path so that there can, there can be a sense of moving forward. What Paul and Silas offered in prison cleared the airwaves for freedom to come, for chains to be broken, for darkness to flee, and for life to burst forth, for the gospel to be proclaimed, and for salvation to be the result. Would that be the case in our lives too? That we would take hold of the, the weapons that God has given to us of prayer and of praise, that we too would see a path forward cleared, breakthrough come as we begin to pray and to praise. Finally this morning, as the people of God, we can be assured that He is at work. We can be assured that He is at work. His plans are not thwarted by the unexpected stuff that happens around us. He is the God of the, the suddenlies. And as we heard a little while ago, as we've gone through this series, sometimes a suddenly happens suddenly, doesn't it? Sometimes it suddenly happens after a period of steadilies. But will we have eyes to see what God is doing? Will we have eyes to see that He is at work? That He is still on the throne? That He still desires to move? As Andrew was saying earlier, you know, not that it would just be a, you know, everything on pause, but rather there would be an advancement, a pushing through, a breaking through of seeing his kingdom come and his will be done, even in this season. Will we have eyes to see? Because so often we, we see or we find what we're looking for, don't we? There's always plenty of things to, 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 to look for, plenty of things that we can see that, to complain about or grumble about. But if we look, there are many, many things that we can uh, be thankful for and see God at work in. In my family, uh, we're not really, traditionally, we've never really been much of a puzzling family. 
just recently, uh, we had some, some leave and midst of what was a, a very, very wet couple of days, we ended up tackling a couple of thousand-piece puzzles together as a family, which was a new experience and kind of strangely, um, you know, satisfying and, and addictive in its own way. But you know you're there and you've got all these pieces in front of you and you're just, you're looking, you're looking to try and see, to try and find that piece that you need. You're looking and you're looking and there's the frustration, but finally when you see that piece that you need, it's like, oh yes, there it is. And I want to encourage us to be a people in that similar vein, to be looking, to be intentionally looking to see what God is doing, knowing that he is the God who is at work. And I love that this story ultimately points us toward the saving power of the Lord. The story leads to the conversion of this jailer, setting this captive free. He was moments away, moments away from ending it all, an eternity without God. Yet, God breaks through. That's who our God is. Who would have thought that a prison would be the place that he would display his power and bring his salvation and bring his freedom. And I believe that it's a reminder for us today that there is no darkness too great for his presence and his power to break through. That there are no chains too heavy or too strong for him to break and bring freedom. That there is no soul too lost for God to save. For nothing can stop the spread and the advance of the gospel of Christ Jesus through his faithful followers. The amazing thing is that he desires us as his people to partner with him, to be his vessels, to disturb the darkness, if you like. So as we bring this to a close today, will we be a people who sing songs in the night? Because we always have a reason to praise. Will we be a people who take hold of the weapons at our disposal and wield them in faith? There is power in prayer and in setting our hearts to praise the Lord. It clears the way and breaks down the barriers that can exist. And that, that then sees the Lord come in like a flood. And I think particularly in seasons such as this, it's so important for us as his people to be a people pressing in, in prayer and in praise. Will we be a people looking for God to be at work? Looking for those suddenlies, looking for what he is doing rather than focusing on the things that are not happening? Will we be partnering with him to continue to see his glorious gospel advance and bear much fruit for his glory? I pray that we would be a people who don't lose heart, but who turn the prison into a place of praise, who disturb the darkness around us with the outworking of our faith. Amen, this morning. Well, um, as we finish our time together, I'm going to pray for us. And uh, thank you for tuning in and joining with us today. And just where you're at, you might like to just open up your hands to the Lord. Just welcome and invite His presence wherever you are this morning. And so, Lord, I just want to thank you for this time uh, together today. As your church gathered, Lord, in a different way, yes, but, but still together in heart and in unity, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, that we've been able to 
to lift up your name, Lord Jesus. That you are our, our cornerstone and our hope. Our salvation, the one who never lets go, Lord God. And even now, Lord, I pray in every home, Lord, in every room that people are, are tuning in from, that your presence, Lord, would just rest upon your people. Even now, in a deeper way, Lord God, you would cause fresh hope to arise. Lord, you would bring fresh perspective and encouragement this morning. I pray, Lord God, that we would be a people of praise, Lord, that we would be reminded this morning that, that there is always a, a song to be sung, always a reason for us to praise you, for you are always worthy, Lord God. I pray this morning, Lord God, that we would uh, remember these weapons, Lord God, that you have made available to us, Lord, of prayer and of praise. I pray that we would not just have them on display, Lord, but we would, we would take hold of them and wield them in our own lives, Lord God. That we would see barriers broken down, Lord God, as we pray and as we pray. And that those barriers being broken down would clear the way, Lord God, for your light and your freedom and your salvation to come, Lord God. I pray too that you would give us eyes to see, Lord, eyes to see that you are at work. Lord, eyes to see what you are doing, Lord God, that you would open the eyes of our hearts that we would not become discouraged or weary, Lord God. I thank you that your plans and purposes cannot be thwarted, Lord God. So give us eyes to see. May we be a people, Lord, who disturb the darkness, Lord God, with the light of your kingdom and for the glory of your name. I thank you, Lord, for that. And so as we finish up, the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all this morning. Amen. Amen.